Hey there, welcome to a special edition of The Follow Podcast. This was recorded right after one of our live gatherings at One Church TO when we had a special guest speaker, Aaron Halbrow, share his story and what he's been through in his life as a cancer survivor and someone who's been supporting a spouse who's had health concerns for, uh, I think it was seven years. And Aaron's story was one that was really profound. And when we were talking as he was setting up his teach through the week where we were preparing, he talked about loving having moments where he had questions and answers. And so we, we thought, why don't we have a mini follow podcast right after the gathering? And so that's exactly what we did. So what you're about to hear is me having a quick conversation with Aaron, but also including some of the questions from our One Church Teal family that were in a chat room following along live. I really hope that you'll enjoy this conversation as much as we did. All right, well, Aaron, I'm getting the, the privilege of sitting here with Aaron, and uh, just a couple seconds after you kind of shared so vulnerably with us just what you guys are going through and what you've learned, and uh, uh, I'd invite everyone who's watching online to jump into the chat room. We've already got a couple questions, but um, we're kind of going to do, uh, I don't know if you've, you've ever had a chance uh, as our community to know, we've done some, some follow podcasts that kind of like help us follow Jesus, but also follow up kind of after <laughs> some of the conversations we're having. So we're going to do like a mini one of those right now with Aaron, but we want it to be kind of live as well. So if you have any questions to add, I've got some here, but I would love for you to jump in. Um, you gave us so much to think about uh, in in your talk, and I love how you even provided for our chat uh, some of those quotes as you were going through. So those were really helpful, and I can tell our, our entire <laughs> community was um, was processing. <laughs> There's a lot we were processing, um, and uh, one of our one of our uh, the, the the crew in the chat, uh, Daniel Daniel I I, I kind of know who this person is. I, I have some of the behind the scenes, but Daniel, I know who you are. He asked this question, and I think he was trying to stir the pot a bit, but he also um, it's a really good follow up to what you just talked about, and I think it kind of sets us up here. Is this why bad things happen to good people? Mm. Do you know what I mean? That question is so popular. Yeah. 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 You know, it's hard because when, when I have conversations with people, the questions they ask are big. Yeah. And they, they want me to give them an answer, but I, I'm not prepared to give answers. I'm prepared to give you a response. Perfect. And my response is something that I've learned. And when you ask me how I've learned it, I'm going to tell you through struggle, through suffering. So this idea of, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, you know, the question I get often is, do I believe that everything happens for a reason? Mm. And in Christianity, that's, that's been our fallback, right? That's been the cliche we use when terrible things happen. That's how we, we think we're comforting somebody by telling them that, but we're not. We're trying to comfort ourselves because mm. what's just happened feels unbelievable. So here's what I say. And I take this from what I've learned from Viktor Frankl. When someone says, Aaron, do you believe everything happens for a reason? I say, no, I don't actually. Hmm. I believe everything happens because of a cause. Okay. There's a cause behind everything. But there are some things that there is no reason. Hmm. And I say this because I work with people in the military. I work with law enforcement. I work with paramedics at the treatment center. And they've seen unbelievable things. Right. People in the wrong place at the wrong time. So to say everything happens for a reason, they say, I'd like to know the reason. Right, yeah. For what I've just seen. Right, yeah. And 
I learned that, you know, Viktor Frankl has, ta- has helped me come to grips with a whole better way of talking about this. And I say to people who say, do you think everything happens for a reason? I say, no, I don't. I believe everything happens. Hmm. I believe there's a cause behind everything, but there's a lot of things that there is no reason. There's a lot of things that are meaningless. Mm-hmm. They don't make n- any sense at all. But what faith offers us is the ability to give them reason, to give them meaning. And to me, it's modeled in what, what God does in Genesis chapter 1. He takes a meaningless world, a void, formless ball, yeah. and he creates meaning from it. We watch him do this. And then look what he does. God then creates mankind out of what? The dust of the earth, out of meaningless dirt, and he, he creates something beautiful from it. And then look what he does. God imbues his image in us. Now, we don't know what that means, but my best guess is the image of God in us is the ability to create meaning from meaningless things. Because that's what God does. And if you look at human civilization for 10,000 years, what have we done? We've taken meaningless soil. We sift it out. And we, we find the iron and the ore and the gold and the silver. And we melt it down. And we purify it. And we build wheels and cars and, and, and towers and bridges. We make meaningful things out of meaningless commodities. This is what we've been doing. Right. And I think that's the image of God in us. Right. Yeah. And so when I meet people that have experienced meaninglessness, mm-hmm. terrible things that there's no justification for, I say, listen, here's what faith offers you. It offers you a new perspective that with God, we can take meaningless things and we can make something from it because we have to. Otherwise, the choice is you just have pain. You just have suffering. But faith, the gift of faith is that we can make something meaningful out of something meaningless. So it's a long answer to a a very good question, but does everything happen for a reason? No, everything happens. But we can give it a reason. I love that. Wow. I mean, uh, that's almost like a mini sermonette right there. But um, uh, okay, can we uh, just jumping back to the opening of your teaching? You you mentioned how, as a pastor, when you went through suffering and struggle, and you didn't see resolution to that in the physical experience that you were living. Yeah, people questioned your supernatural connections. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Yeah, uh, but but maybe on the flip side of that. Um, what what ha- having gone through this? Sometimes you mentioned this. You called us out on this. We we are awkward around this. Right. We are we don't handle suffering and pain really well. We don't want to go to the funerals. We want to bypass it totally. Even Christian language bypasses death and says, "Well, you know, yeah, we, we just talk about Easter. heaven. They're yeah. with with Jesus." Yeah. Yeah, but what about now? Yeah. So what what are some of the highlights of people who have helped you suffer well? Like people who have come alongside you. Maybe some of the 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 best moments that you've had with people who've shown up for you guys uh, as you've gone through it. Like, uh, give us something that maybe we can walk towards this. If 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 we haven't experienced the joy of being alongside someone, or maybe we don't know what it is to yeah. sit beside them in their suffering, how do we do that? How do we be better than Job's friends? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, I think the best thing is just to be present and know that when someone's going through it, you're not there to fix them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fix them. It's just about being holding space for them, you know, um, and, and just listening. I I've, I spend time at this treatment center, and it's um, it's interesting who signs up to do a spirituality one to one with me. And it's usually somebody who comes in. He wants to, you know, argue with me. Really? He wants to shake his fist. He wants to tell me his story, and then he wants to make me squirm as I try and explain to him where God is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in many of those situations, I'm like, I'm I'm not here to defend something I don't fully comprehend. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's that's why it's God, because mm. I don't fully understand it all. But what I am here to do is to listen to your story. When when someone comes in and says, there's no God, 
And they look at me and they're like, there's no God. I say, okay, there's a story behind that. And you deserve to tell me. Mm. And I promise I'm not going to make excuses. Right. So tell me. So I remember one time it was a man in law enforcement. He came into treatment because he was in a bad way. His younger brother had died in a car accident and left a, a family and a widow and a child. And this guy was devastated. And so he shows up in, in treatment and he says to me, you know, Aaron, there's no God. It's not fair. My, my younger brother was a hardworking man and, and he died. And I, I've wasted my life. You know, I'm not working because I'm, I'm struggling with addiction. My marriages have ended. It should have been me. So he's experiencing survivor's guilt, right, you know, yeah, and he's just yeah. mad at God for it. And I'm listening to him and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a heavy question. I said, let me ask you something. I know you're mad at God because you feel he allowed your younger brother to die. If I could arrange a meeting where you could sit across the table from God and you could ask one question of God, what question would you ask? And he said to me, easy, why? Why? Mm. Why did you let that happen? And I said to him, that's a good question. I'd probably ask that too, but let me ask you another. What answer would God have to give that right. would justify right. the pain you've experienced? And he looked at me and he said, there is none. There is no answer good enough to justify the pain that's caused me and my family. And I said, you're right. So do you see you're stuck? You're asking a question that you've admitted there's no answer to. Hmm. So you're stuck. And he said, so what am I supposed to do? I said, we have to find a better question. We have to find a better question, one that brings movement. Too many of us on the, in, in struggling and suffering, we're stuck behind a question. And often, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? And there's no answer for that that would justify it. Even right. if we could sit with God and God said, well, here's why I decided to do it this way. It's never going to be good enough for us. Loss doesn't make sense. We can't comprehend it as humans. But instead, if we, if we learn that there is no answer to that question that would satisfy, so maybe I need a better question. And what's a better question? A better question is one that brings movement. Mm. A better question is an honest question, a question that takes us somewhere. Yeah. And sometimes they're unsatisfying. So this friend of mine said, well, you know, what's a better question than why would you allow my brother to die? I said, well, let's think about this together. What if the better question was, can anything good come from my brother's passing? Mm. He said, I already know the answer. Nothing. I said, you're wrong. Mm. You're sober. Right. You're in treatment. Right. You're going to leave here. He already told me that he's going to be the best uncle he could be to his, his, his brother's boy, that he, he'd, he'd be there for his family. He'd show up. He'd already told me his life was transformed. Why? I said, what brought all this? I'll tell you what. Your brother's passing. Yeah. I said, you can stand at your brother's grave and you can say, I am whole because of your death mm. and in that way you live vicariously for both of you don't you see it that's redemption right that's when something beautiful comes out of something that we can only understand and fathom is terrible and i was just trying to offer him another perspective because the pain was unbearable so unbearable that he became he he, he turned to addiction to kind of numb it right and i was like dude we got to find a way through this man because mm. mm. there's oh, no wow. way around it I mean, I wish I could have your presence of mind, and maybe it comes with experience, but to, to be able to ask that though, and follow up on some of those questions as you're in the middle of a... Well, I'll tell you, because I get asked this all the time, how, um, how do you go into a treatment center and meet with people that don't want to talk about God, yeah. and it's all they're not forced, they're yeah. offered to come? And I tell them that, you know, when I was first offered the job, I didn't want to take it. Mm. Amy had just come home from the hospital, 
And uh, we were just reeling with what was going on in life. And this treatment center called me up and said, we got your name from somebody. And they said, you'd be perfect to come in and talk to us. And I said, I'm not doing it. Amy said, well, I said, I have nothing to say. I don't know what to say to a group of individuals that are in the middle of pain and struggling. She said, really? You don't have anything to say. (laughs) My wife said to me, Aaron, you need to go. You need to go. Because my paralysis, our circumstances have taken enough. You need to go. So I said, okay, I went up and I had an interview and I said to them, I said, listen, I'm hurting right now. I don't know if I'm the person you want to talk about spirituality because my wife just became a paraplegic and life is upside down. So I said, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. Let's date for four weeks. Okay. I'll do four presentations. And at the end of that four weeks, ask the clients what they thought and ask me if I felt it was a fit. Right. So the first day I show up, I'm in the parking lot and I'm praying, God, I don't know if I got anything good to say about you. And I don't know how I'm going to sit in a room with a bunch of people like this thinking, oh, spirituality, religion, I'm not interested. And you're kind of doing this inside I'm doing too. it too. Yeah. So I'm in the car and finally I, I, I felt the strength to go in. And I walk in this room and there's, you know, 14 um, people struggling with addiction sitting in a semicircle like this. Mm. And then I walk in, right? The spirituality guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be really fun, isn't it? So I sit down and I say at the front, I say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin. I just want you to go around the circle and I want you to share your story, your connection to spirituality, whatever it is. Mm. I, w- I want to hear it. And um, you're free to just tell me what you think. One by one, it was a story of pain and tragedy. Mm. It, was, it was stories of spiritual trauma, religious trauma, one by one. Where was God when? See, see, addiction isn't the problem. Addiction is the symptom. Yeah, right. Right? And when yeah. it finally came to the end, they were all looking at me like, oh my God, what is this guy going to say now? <laughs> right? How is he going to yeah. somehow, because we just Solve destroyed <laughs> his whole argument of, of, yeah. of faith in God. And when it finally, it finished, it got to me, I was in tears. Hmm. And I said, this is not going to make any sense to any of you, but I think I found my people. Huh. I think I know why I'm here. Oh, wow. I said, the only reason I feel like I have anything to say to any of you about God, because I don't know all of your struggle and pain. I know a bit of it now, but I have my own. Right. And I feel that gives me the credentials to sit with you. Right. Not to sit at the front of the room and fix you, but to sit mm. in this circle and say, yes, life is unfair. Mm. Yes, life has been hard. And if you allow me, I'll stand up, walk to the front of the room and facilitate a conversation mm-hmm. to see if we can find a way out of the weeds, standing on the shoulders of giants. Because spirituality, if you study human history, has been one of those things that has led us to the far side of suffering. Every uh, major religion began in suffering. Mm. Not to avoid it, but to, to add meaning to it. it. Right, yeah. To add meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. And we've lost sight of that. Yeah. So that's... Once again, a long story. I like yeah. to talk. No, it's so. good. Uh, so I, if I'm if I'm going to tease one thing out of that, even just as a principle for us, would you say that listening is probably the key yeah. to um, supporting someone in their suffering? Absolutely. I, th- I think I think truth is not um, discovered; it's revealed. Hmm. And by that, I mean. We don't go into something looking for how can I make sense of this guy's story so, you know, God wins at the end. It's about <laughs> listening and saying, God, may I hear you? May I find you in this story? Sometimes people will tell me their story, and when they're done, they'll say, that's why I don't believe in God. Mm. And I'll say, hmm, can I tell you where I found God in your story? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. they'll say, huh? 
try. And I do my best. And I say, well, here's what I see. And I don't know if you see it because you're too close, but as an objective listener, here's what I hear again and again and again. One guy was, was about to graduate from, from treatment and um, he asked to do a one-to-one with me before he left. And so we're sitting together and he says, Aaron, listen, I just want you to know, I've been here for nine weeks and I went to every one of your spirituality groups and they were inspiring, they were intriguing, but it didn't work for me. I tried, I tried and I wanted it. Mm. It just didn't work for me. And so I, uh, last night was the night before he was, he was leaving the morning we were meeting. He said, I, I went for a walk behind the center. There's this forest with a trail. He said, I went for a walk through the trail. It was September. It was the fall. He yeah. said, and I, as I was walking around, I looked up at the sky and I said, God, I'm about to leave tomorrow. The one thing I don't have figured out is this spirituality thing. So he's looking at the sky saying, speak to me, mm. say something to me. He said, I got halfway around the trail and I felt so stupid that I turned around and walked back to my room. And that's when I called and said, can you book an appointment with Aaron in the morning before I go? He said, so Aaron, I'm sitting across from you saying I tried, but it didn't work. Okay. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I, I love the rabbinic tradition of answering, of answering questions with questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, what does God sound like? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you just said you walked through a forest asking God to speak to you. So I'm just curious what God sounds like. He says, well, I told you, I didn't hear anything. So what did you expect God to sound like? I asked him. He said, I don't know. I said, well, if you don't know what God sounds like, how do you know God wasn't speaking? And he said, that's a good question. And he said, what are you getting at? I said, can I tell you what I heard God say in that story you just told me? He said, you weren't there. I said, yeah, but you did such a good job telling it. Can I tell you what I heard God say? He said, sure. I said, you're walking through the trees in fall as the leaves are falling to the ground. I said, you're leaving treatment in an hour, going back to a job that is, is willing to take you back to a woman that has loved you and accepted you and supported you and raised your kids while you're gone. You're sober. You're clean. You've got a new vision for life. You're alive. You can't hear what God's saying to you. You're worthy, my friend. You're worthy. You're loved. You can't. That's, that's what God is saying to you. And he looked at me and he said, are you kidding me? I said, No. We think that, 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 that spirituality comes from the lips of somebody at the front of the room. It doesn't. It comes from a voice inside our own hearts that remind us that we are worthy, that we are loved. If we would just listen. I tell people all the time that, that um, faith is not about putting God in your life. Faith is not about putting God in your heart. Faith is about finding God in your heart, mm. about finding God in your life. It's about stripping away all the stuff that's robbing us of seeing that divine image. Right. And so... Once again, to answer your, your question, just listening to people, to not um, try and find something, but just to listen for what God is saying through them. Mm. Trust the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's just your presence alone. And sometimes right. it's just their presence. The best thing in sitting with somebody who is struggling and suffering is it offers you a perspective of your own, of your own pain. There are right. days I leave treatment after talking to somebody or days I've had a, a coffee with a parishioner tell me about their life. And I can't tell you how many times I drive home and am so thankful for the life, even though it's difficult. Right. right? There's a rabbinic tradition that says if all of us could take our burdens off. Right. I know this one. It's right. so good. And walk to the front of, of, a, you know, of everybody standing there and hang it on a tree and then go stand together and look at everybody's burdens hanging from this tree. And if we were given the opportunity to go take any burden that we wanted, yeah. the one we wanted to carry, the tradition says we'd go take our own. Right. Why? Because the gift of perspective 
yeah. changes everything. Yeah. So let's meet with people who are suffering and struggling, not so that we can fix them or tell them what they need to hear, but so that their life and their suffering can matter to us. Imagine if people who are, who are struggling, instead of feeling like the guinea pigs, just felt like they still had something to offer in their pain. Yeah. I mean, that's the gift. Oh, that's, I love how you, you near your closing, you mentioned like, go to the funerals, attend the sick. Yes. Um, that's, that's such a practical thing for us too, to, to do that. I, I, and, and in, in, um, in so many ways, I don't know if you were riffing off the, 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 um, the, the moments when Jesus is calling his followers to do that and saying, you're going to do it to me. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, exper you'll experience me yeah. as you do that. And if we truly want to experience Jesus in this here and now, yeah. what, we, we avoid him by avoiding the sick and the, and the suffering, right? If you want to find Jesus, go where he is. Right? right? Bono said that God is with the poor. Right. And God is with us if we are with them. Right. It's right, it's the paraphrase. same. With, it's the yeah. same with suffering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I say, you know, I, I know when someone at your work is, you know, there's a death in the family, and you know, there's a visitation or something. Nobody wants to go to. I get that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, <clears throat> if you make a point to go anyways, to choose mm -hmm. just to be present in someone else's grief and pain, even yeah. if you don't speak to them, you just choose to go there. I'm telling you, the perspective is life changing. You will leave there, and by contrast, you will see life differently. You will appreciate more. You spend a day with those who are mourning. You come home and you will hug those in your life tighter. You'll have a new appreciation for life. And when you get sick or when you have, you know, you get COVID and you feel so miserable, you know, and you think, oh, I can't wait till I'm better. I'll never take for granted again. Yeah. Well, mean it. Mean <laughs> it. two weeks and we've taken it for exactly. granted. Exactly. <laughs> so, so then realize that what yeah. if all these little hiccups we get, what if these are just meant to constantly wake us up? And what if we're thankful for those moments? Hmm. Realizing, yeah, I'd fallen asleep again. I need to be grateful for my life and what I have. So when you meet someone who's in pain, sit with them and walk away and let that contrast help you to be more grateful, to walk slower, to be kinder presence in the world. That's awesome. Okay, we had a, we've had a bunch of questions come in here just uh, uh, responding here. And I know you've got other things we, we're, we're bugging you to do today, so we don't have all day. So I'm going to try and, and get through some of these and... You know, I'm not going to tell you to do rapid fire and like uh, truncate something that's gold if you got, if, right. but uh, we'll see how many we can get through here. Uh, so Mobile is asking, and I think I know the answer to this one. Did you ever ask God, why me? Oh yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah, still do. Yeah. But here's the thing. Life is not meant to be a solo project, mm. right? We're meant to be in connection with people and you need people in your life who love you enough, who you trust enough to interpret what you're saying. Because there are times that we can't trust our emotions, especially the exhibiting emotions, right? Grief often looks like anger. Grief can look right. like a whole lot of things. And sometimes I, when I don't know how I'm feeling, I have to sit with a good friend and I say, I'm going to just talk and I want you to tell me what I'm saying because <laughs> I, I don't know. I know how I'm feeling, but I don't know if I trust anything. You know what this is like when you're just so filled with rage and you're so upset mm -hmm. We need to find those safe people that can say, Aaron, you're scared, right? Yeah, I'm, I, I often, my wife and I talk about this a lot. Um, I'm, I'm fairly introverted, and uh, my best friendships happen when I was forced to hang out with people in high school. Right. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yes. So it, I, as an adult, and Pastor Jonathan alluded to this, uh, especially for, for, for men, um, we often don't have an easy time making friendships. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, I think that's one of the, the big greatest concerns I have for people in our community and people that I know mm -hmm. um, is that they don't have those friendships that they can yeah. say that to, where they can yeah. go to them and, and have that. Tell me what I'm saying. What yeah. a beautiful question. Yeah. It's because, you know, what happens is those questions we're asking in our heads. Yeah. So who are we having that conversation with? Ourself. <laughs> it's a self-reflective conversation. Right. Right. It's a loop. That's why yeah. anxiety thrives. Shame mm -hmm. thrives in that loop. We have to break that cycle. We have to get outside of our heads. We need a new perspective of this stuff. Here, here's some great advice. This is something I learned. When my wife first got sick, I began to journal. So for eight years, I've been journaling. And um, I started out, you know, just, it was a chance just to complain, you know, to God yeah, and shake yeah. my fist to write my Psalms. Right, yeah. And then um, I met a therapist one time who gave me some great advice. She said, Aaron, when you are journaling about an experience or a feeling that's so close to the top, like this why me, she said, here's some advice. Journal, but don't journal in first person. Don't write, I am so angry. I am so frustrated. She said, instead, journal in third person. Okay. Because what happens is you remove yourself from the feeling. You become the observer. And you wow. see what God sees. So I began to write, Aaron is upset. Aaron is scared right now. Aaron is um, uh, uh, afraid that that God has forgotten or, or Aaron feels cursed. Because then when you're finished, you can look at it and you read it and something beautiful happens when you become the observer of your own life. So instead of just feeling the things, you can observe yourself mm -hmm. feeling the things. Sometimes that space alone, that little bit of margin is enough to, to allow you to catch your breath, to realize, okay, this is how I feel right now. But, um, and it feels heavy, it's intense, but what if there's more? Mm. Wow, that's uh, I love the practical uh, idea there, the practical step there. That's yeah. that's something that I'm going to be thinking about. Um, I know um, I, I'm 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 a I'm a better self-reflective person when I am journaling, and I know I often won't do it until I'm hitting something yeah. <laughs> where I where I I desperately need to sort out my thoughts. So um, I'll definitely be thinking through that when next time. Sure, <laughs> I'm hitting that. Um, Noise is asking in the chat room. Okay, the, uh, tricky question a little bit here, but uh, if we're talking about spiritual uh, causes for suffering, do you think the devil works in mysterious ways, especially when a person has been a Christian their life? They've done lots of good things, working in the church, serving the community. I think this might be a bit of a personal story that they're bringing here. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, then when they're hit with cancer and dying and their beliefs change about God, uh, uh, that, that happened to, to a close friend of theirs. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that their response to the, the pain and suffering after all this mm -hmm. faithful behavior in their life would be a, a crisis of faith mm -hmm. at the end. Dark night of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I went through that and it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, because you just feel like um, God is silent. You stop praying because expectation just leads to disappointment. You don't ask God for anything anymore because just the news just keeps getting worse. And it, it's a terrifying place to be when um, the only thing you've trusted in the, the universe, God, and you can't trust it anymore. Um, a, a quick story that I think may help answer that. Um, when my wife was in her final round of hospitalization in Toronto, um, she was at Toronto General. And I think the main floor there looks out on university and there's this big mezzanine where there's a Starbucks and um, 
I went down there while she was having treatment on the fourth floor. The hematologist had just told us that they had done their 10th round of plasmapheresis as an attempt to try and stop the paralysis and it wasn't working. Mm. And I had held out that this was, God was going to use this to stop right, this right, and reverse right. it. And he told us it's not working, but we should finish. I was devastated. That was our last, they called it rescue therapy. It was the last ditch attempt, the last wow. thing they were going to try. And it wasn't working. I was down in the mezzanine having a coffee and I just looked at the sea of people and I, and I thought, this is my people. Everyone here is suffering somehow. Everyone here is either in pain or visiting someone who's in pain. So this is where right. I want to be yeah, because yeah, I am yeah. mad. I am yeah. so mad. And I'm down in that mezzanine having a coffee and I look across the sea of people and my eyes make contact with an old man about 50 feet away. And I looked away because I thought, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm in no mood to talk to anybody. Mm. I thought if it's somebody from my church or somebody, they don't want to meet Pastor Aaron today. <laughs> so I look down at the floor and as I'm looking at the floor in my coffee, I see two feet stand five feet in front of me. I look up, it's this old man. And he looks at me and he says, I saw you from across the room. And he said, you look angry. And I thought, okay, weird. <laughs> I said, yeah, I am angry. He said, can I ask you who you're angry at? I was totally put out. I was enraged. I was like, it's really none of your business <laughs> who I'm angry at. I don't know you. Yeah. You don't know me. But I said, I'm going to tell you. I'm mad at God. I am so mad at God right now. Mm. And this old man looked at me with eyes that were kind, fierce. And he said, I don't think you are. And I said, okay, then who am I mad at? And he said, I think you're mad at what you thought was God. Mm. And he walked away. Whoa. And in that moment, I'm telling you, in that moment, I didn't care because he nailed something. I was mad at a version of God that I'd grown up with, that God doesn't let bad things happen to good people. I was mad at a God that somehow um, wouldn't let things that didn't make sense happen, that everything happens for a reason. And in that moment, I realized that my suffering had outgrown the image of God I had. Mm. And what has to happen in those moments is your image of God has to become bigger than the suffering you're experiencing. And that is hard because that means letting go of something you've held on to your whole life. Right. Right? Because we were taught that faith is like this, holding on to stuff that's yeah, unchanging. Yeah, 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 yeah. That isn't faith. This is faith. Mm. It says, God, I will find you in whatever I experience and you will never leave me. Mm. And there are times I may abandon you, but you will come find me. Like the prodigal son, you'll look way off, waiting for me to return. And in that moment, that old man gave me the freedom to abandon some ideas I had about God that weren't true. Now, he didn't give me anything to hold on to. This is the problem. In faith, we think, well, I'll let go of something, but what am I going to hold in its yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. Faith, by definition, is a leap. Is a leap. It yeah. means, by definition, to believe in what can't be proven. Yeah. Now, why would I believe in what can't be proven? This is, the, this is the argument I give to people, you know, in treatment that come and say, tell me why I should believe. And I say, because it's a better story. And they say, better story than what? And I say, than the story you're telling yourself. Right. <laughs> I can't prove it. Yeah. But I'm telling you, it's a better story. You can believe it's a cold, dark universe and everything is just happening. Or you can believe that somehow this is a loving intelligence and we're a part of something beautiful and we can find the divine, the presence of God can be here and we can be empowered to make beautiful things out of senseless things. I said, mm. isn't that a better story? At the end of the day, it is for me. And that's what gets me through. 
Oh man, that's so good. I'm I I've got a mental picture of that man standing across from you. Wow. It's the strangest story, but I, I'm telling you, it was one of those moments. Sometimes we just need permission from people. And sometimes it's <laughs> not people we know. What what is to rethink? That, to that, rethink. That would be I mean, I avoid eye contact so much. So um, for right. him to step across and do that, man, what kind of obedience it would be for that moment, you know? In, Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so following up on that, how do we How do we have, Maureen is asking, how do we, quote unquote, evangelize to a loved one who has lost their faith as a result of that challenging uh, moment in their life, in this case, a death? Yeah. Or is that is that the right question? Or should we be evangelizing? To, you know, I think you know I, mean? I, I think that the biggest thing is this: be the presence of God in their life. Mm-hmm. Be the presence of God in their life. I'm telling you, people remember how you make them feel, not just what you say. They already know right, all right. the cliches. They know all of it. So abandon that limited vocabulary and begin to trust in the Holy Spirit to draw them in time mm-hmm. and trust that God's love is big enough. I think a lot of people. It's not that they don't believe in God. They're just so mad at God. Right. They're just so mad. But if you've read the Psalms, yeah. God can take it. Yeah, he can. Sure. He can. If you've ever had children, you know, when your children come and they just they just beat against you and say, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, because you've grounded them or you've taken away something and they they they, they ground you uh, or they they beat on your 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 chest. You just you hold them and you know it's not true. Yeah. You know yeah. they love you. They're just they're just hurting right now. Yeah. God's better than that. Right. And Jesus taught us that. Yeah. We know how to get good gifts as, as, as fathers and mothers. God is so much better than that. We have to trust God with those who've said, I hate God. I don't believe in God. Well, that's what it sounds like. But what's really going on? They're just disappointed in God. Right. And I think God can handle that. And even sometimes the version of God that they were exactly having a hard time letting go of. Right. Um, because, you know, look how hard it is to let go of something. We're holding like this. We got to, you know, we're white knuckled. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on, let go. Trust me. I've got something better. No, 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 please. Yeah. This is comfortable. This is safe. Yeah. 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 But that's not why we're here. And you, you also brought up a, a really helpful paradigm that I think we struggle with as especially evangelical movement is that um, we need to be actively evangelizing, changing someone's mind. And I think in some of that, really beautiful idea we've missed who actually does the mind changing and who actually does the heart changing and who actually leads someone to faith is the holy spirit it's not the person who ha- maybe happens to have a conversation that the holy spirit uses so showing up marine being present in those moments is you, yes is is uh providing an opportunity that the holy spirit can use in those moments but you i i've i've talked to too many people you probably uh, as well too many people who took on the ownership of their family member's faith or yeah. to the a friend or whatever. And and sometimes we feel like we failed them mm-hmm. when they have they have given up on their faith. Yeah. But that that's yeah. putting ourselves in the Holy Spirit's shoes yeah. almost, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's okay for us to express our dis- our own disappointment with God. When we're talking to someone, a loved one who's who's kind of abandoned faith because they're so disappointed, you know, when you just say, Well, you know, you should be trusting God because whatever you're just widening the gap of the inability to connect. They, they're like, well, you clearly don't know what I've gone through. But I find it's moments of connection where I can say to people, you know, I've been there. I know exactly how you feel. Mm. And there are times I've felt abandoned and I didn't know the way back. And um, 
just know that you're not alone and God is with you. And that maybe it can be enough for this moment. Let's not worry about the next moment. Yeah. You know, and just allow them over time. The other thing is when people are, are heated in the midst of, of all the feels, it's not a time to change their mind. Right? <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to happen. No person convinced against, uh, sorry, people convinced against their will are of the same opinion still, the old, adi- old adage oh, okay, says. Okay, You can't argue someone into faith. Oh, yeah. It's the softening of the heart where you realize, my God, it's a better story. It's a better story. It's amazing how we want to come to God's defense. We do. God doesn't need us to <laughs> and, defend him. And and yet the the greatest way of articulating faith might be that I don't know and me Absolutely. too. Right? But I yeah. but I here's what I do see or here's what I do hope or here's how I've been helped or that's why the the personal story is probably the most effective. So when, when my wife in the first couple of weeks when she was hospitalized, uh, the pain was excruciating because that's when the damage was being done on her spinal cord. Wow. And there was one night they were just treating her with morphine. They didn't know how to treat the, the um, neurological pain and it was brutal and she was just in so much pain and I was in there with her. She'd hit the button calling the nurse and she looked up at me, you know, and I had this cold cloth with ice on it that I was just wiping on her forehead and she said, where's God? Mm. Where's God? And I looked down at her and I said, right here as I wiped her forehead with his ice because in that moment I felt you know what I am the tangible right the, t- the only tangible moment of peace and love she's going to have in this moment right. I was asking the same question where's God but in that moment I felt like it's like he's at least here looking like me right. wiping your brow with an iced cloth yeah yeah if we all just believe that more that you know what when people say where's God why can't we say well apparently I bear his image so do you so Maybe you can learn to see him in me. Yeah. And for some of us, if others can see it in us, maybe we can get to the place where we can look in the, our own mirror mm. and see God's image there too. Right. Right? We think God's yeah. a disembodied spirit. No, God is in you and in me. Yeah. And in some, just buried it down deep. Faith is about teasing that out again. Yeah. Letting go of stuff so that we can discover what's already there. Right. The, that, that idea of imaging is so potent in all of this, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, last question from Jat, and this, it closes with what I'll start with. Also, more of Pastor Aaron. Really enjoyed today's <laughs> sermon, <laughs> so there you go. Um, uh, but I, I think this is a good question for us to end, end on here. Just to touch on, does everything happen for a reason? What about God's plan and purpose for our lives? What does suffering actually teach us about our purpose? In, in life? Well, you know, without... Short question, easy yeah, one. Yeah, but, so but. I'm not one, like <laughs> I said, I try and steer away from cliches, but it is the cliche of the butterfly. Okay. You know, we know that the cliche is that a butterfly in its transformation in the cocoon, right? you know, we see it struggling to get out and we could help it by cutting that open so it can, but it would never learn to fly. Right. Because it needs the struggle to gain the strength to fly. We have a bad relationship with struggle in our world. Mm-hmm. You see, in God's economy, Jesus taught us to not judge. Mm-hmm. Taught it over and over and over. One of the five things Jesus talked about when Jesus wanted to talk, he talked about do not judge. Right. You don't know enough. Mm-hmm. He says, don't judge not just people. Don't judge circumstances. Mm-hmm. You don't know enough. Let it go. Is it possible that that we want to make decisions? We want to we judge things as good or bad? And what if... 
What if in God's economy, Jesus is trying to say, you don't know enough to declare if something is good or bad? Right. I mean, that's that's a problem in, in Eden again, right? Right. Uh, Buddhism has this great um, principle that says, there is no bad or good. It's our choices that make it so. Hmm. And I think that that's buried in, in the teachings of Jesus as well, where he says that God um, doesn't see things in the piles we create of good or bad. God just sees the pure potential in everything we experience for redemption. And it's through those things that we transform. Why are we here? What's the meaning of life? To learn. To learn what? To learn to let go. Hmm. To learn to let go of what the wisdom traditions would ask us. To learn to let go of fear. Hmm. To learn to let go of anger. To learn to let go of failure. To learn to let go of disruption. Why? So that at the end of life, if we've learned how to let go of those things that can only rob us, then we're able to actually let go of life itself. Hmm. Is that not... as? Completely transformed. Yes, transformed, right? yeah. saying, I've learned to not hold the things that pull me back so that I can be lighter in this transformation as I'm being drawn to another reality, mm. the world of God. Right. You know, and I love that. Life is about learning to let go of all the things that keep pulling us back. The gravity of life is incredible. Not just the physical gravity, but there's a spiritual gravity. There's a psychological gravity that just keeps pulling us down. But we have the ability to, to slowly walk through it mm. and no longer feel the weight of it. Mm. Making sense of the moments that we face, having, having just uh, even an understanding of that there could be meaning, there could be purpose, there could be transformation in this. Uh, and, 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 not, and not just looking for it, but choosing to say, what's my role in the creation of this? Okay, okay. Yeah, right? What's my role active, in the right? creation of, you know, so... It's not enough to say, you know, okay, God, um, here's an example with my wife's paraplegia, with my cancer. Well, I'll use my cancer as an example. I get stage three cancer, right? I'm devastated, but Amy says to me, Aaron, my suffering's taught us so much. And I'm like, you're right, you're right, you're right. Okay, still, doesn't make it any easier. I got to do six months of chemotherapy. And um, at first I was diagnosed stage one. You want to talk about um, getting mad at God. I was diagnosed with stage one, favorable, great. I start treatment, it's only three months. Um, third week in, they do a PET scan and they reveal that, Aaron, you're not stage one, you're stage three. We're sorry. I'm not prepared for that. Mm. So I, I, after that round of chemotherapy, I go sit in the car. A friend of mine uh, named Ken was um, my chauffeur each week for chemo. And I sat in the car and he looked at me and said, boy, you look rougher than usual. I said, Ken, I just found out I'm not stage one, I'm stage three. I said, Ken, it's, it's unsustainable. Mm. And my friend looked at me and he said, what if cancer isn't the only thing that this chemo is healing? Mm. And I realized, my God, you're right. I can choose to say this next six months of my life, I cannot come out of this the same. How do you find the best friends? <laughs> I got a, <laughs> he, he, he didn't even know he life. said that. I wrote it down when I got yeah, home. I yeah. reminded him later yeah. because it was very profound, but he didn't know. Once again, this is the idea of just sitting in the moment, trusting the Holy yeah. Spirit. You say things that you're not aware of that other people will hear. Ken didn't remember saying that later, you know, but yeah. I reminded him that it was one of the most profound things that I needed to hear in that moment. He's like, huh, neat. Okay. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. It's not trying to find clever things to say. Yeah. It's about listening, yeah. just trusting. And I chose in that six months to say, this has to change everything. Otherwise it's only, you know, and it happened. I was diagnosed and treated during COVID, right? Yeah. So when people say COVID was terrible, wasn't it? Well, actually, I learned Spanish. I'm teaching myself Spanish. <laughs> a thousand day streaks. 
with Duolingo. Nice. Okay, Duolingo. I, said, I, um, I got off that bus. At, yeah, I'm still on the bus. Days, yeah. I'm at the front of the bus now. <laughs> nice. But I, I say to people, yeah, so I look at that difficult time in our life and I attached meaning to it. So when someone says, how'd you learn Spanish? Remember COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Nice. Really? You know, hey, Aaron, how did you learn this? How did you learn? Well, I had cancer. Okay. And it taught me. Yeah. It taught me. I'm a good cook. I'm a bit of a foodie. And people say, Aaron, how did you get to be such a good cook? I said, do you really want to know? Yeah. Okay. When my, wife, when my wife first came home from the hospital, three times a week, we'd have a nurse for two and a half hours. And the first couple of months, they'd leave and it was always worse news. Mm. And so I'd busy myself thinking, okay, we have to eat. I might as well cook something. And I had two hours to cook a meal. So I began to learn to make sauces and different, different types of things. And I began to, to just get lost in cutting an onion as a way of dealing with my anxiety. Mm. And in the end, several things happened. One, I learned to cook and everyone got fed. And on the other side of it, I started developing that, the beautiful practice of being present when you don't want to be present, but being present in something that's meaningful. Mm. You know, so I bought a vinyl record player, put it in my kitchen. And when I started listening, when I started cooking food, I'd play a vinyl record. Why vinyl? Because vinyl requires every 20 minutes, I got to walk over and flip it. Yeah, yeah. Which causes you to slow down and be present. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in doing that, you realize, man, this, these beautiful small little acts are where God finds us, mm. where we get nourished, you know? And at the end, I became a good cook. I got a great vinyl collection and God found me. Mm. In the strangest, not not in the escape of pain, but in the middle of pain. Right. In, you know, a record from the 80s, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. in, you know, learning to cook, you know, a curry. Like, it's like, wow, God found me in all these places mm -hmm. because I was open. I was so desperate, you know, and I think that's, that's where we get, we got, we got to find ourselves. In, in a way, you've given us a gift, uh, of of not abdicating our responsibility, yeah. In in these moments of not st stepping back and being passive, but I love how you've called us to be actively pursuing that. Absolutely, yeah. You yeah. see, in evangelical world, we're all you know waiting for the um, world to end, so to the speak. Return right? of Christ. Return of Christ. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Now here's my conviction, and you don't have to agree with me on this. I think that when you can't find God here now, mm. the ache is to leave, right? When you can't find yeah, God, yeah, yeah. the world's just so far gone, the ache is to somehow be somewhere else and leave. Right. But when you can learn to find God here now, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, in the beauty of a sunrise, in the kindness of a friend, when you can find God's presence here now, the incentive isn't to leave. The incentive is to be. Mm. Because God's here. Right, yeah. And I'll let the end be what the end will be. But right now, I don't need to escape here to find God because I'm learning that God's already here. Right. You know? And, and how much more prepared are you for, for whatever end it is than if you were actually present and when he was there absolutely. with you the whole time, right? Absolutely. And if you yeah. can find God in your pain and your struggle, then what can't you do? Right. Yeah. Well, that's a, a good spot for us to end it, Aaron. <laughs> Um, this was thanks. This went even longer than we we were thinking originally, okay. but this was so valuable. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some comments here. 
people are still following along. We still have people with us. This is good. Well, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> this is great. Um, but uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is great. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll share some of these with you later. Sure. But thank you, everybody, for sticking around and being a part of this. And yeah. uh, I, I hope that you're walking away with some of some of the 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 things that maybe maybe the Holy Spirit's just putting something for you to take a next step on, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope that you'll be obedient to that. I hope you'll you'll follow up on that. But I, I know I'm being I'm being challenged. I'm going to be thinking through this and uh, thinking what God's calling me, my family, what what we're going to be about just out of this moment. This whole series has yeah. been has been really really fruitful for my life and Great I hope series. for others as well. Hey, thanks for checking out this special edition of the Follow Podcast. And special thanks to Aaron Holbrow for sharing so vulnerably from his own experience. I hope that you found that to be valuable and encouraging. Listen, if you want more content like this, subscribe wherever you're you're listening or watching. And uh, make sure you check out the show notes for links and other helpful tools that we can share from all of our episodes. And listen, we'd love to see you next time uh, at the Follow Podcast for our next season. 